Hi, this is Sham, your very own news curator. Let me tell you what happened last week. That's what I do every Monday. Here, I'll tell you about the world's most important news from all over the world, and I guarantee you, you'll also find out about news that you most likely missed last week. You can subscribe to my newsletter on whathappenedlastweek.com or listen to my voice on here. Today, I dig deeper into what's happening in Nigeria, Armenia and Azerbaijan, Poland, Peru and Bolivia. But before we get to that, let's take a quick look at what else happened last week all over the world. First up, the first ever passenger flight from the United Arab Emirates to Israel landed near Tel Aviv. The two countries had decided a month ago that they want to, quote, normalize ties, end quote. That's political jargon for, we're trying to be cool with one another, officially. We've been doing business together, but still, this is making it official, you know, it's special. And then there was the results of a global survey that the World Economic Forum published. Last week, as almost every week in this year so far, people felt especially anxious. The World Economic Forum asked some 12,000 people from 27 countries worldwide about how they felt about their jobs and if they were worried about losing them because of the coronavirus. Turns out, more than half of them are, quote, very concerned, end quote that they're going to get fired in the next year, that they're going to lose their jobs. People in Russia, especially, are a lot more worried than, let's say, people in Germany. And then we have Belarus. Belarus is still dealing with its still-president, Alexander Lukashenko, who won't step down, not even last night which was a deadline that was set by the opposition. So, expect mass protests and a national strike today and in this coming week. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper into the week, starting with what's happening in Nigeria. If you have no clue what's happening in Nigeria right now, that's okay, I can get you up to date. Tens of thousands of people, most of them young people, demand that the country's police is no longer violent towards citizens. They also want other things to change, but the hashtag #EndSARS S-A-R-S, is how it all started. For those who don't know, S-A-R-S stands for a special police unit in Nigeria that many people say is extremely violent. So what's new? Things in Nigeria are getting more and more complicated. The situation is getting more and more tense. So tense that people are even angry at how Beyonce is lending her support for the cause. There were two major turning points last week. First, there was a shooting in the capital, Lagos, that killed a number of people. We still don't know how many, but since the protests began, so says the president, Muhammad Buhari, 
at least 51 people have already died. The other major turning point was when people found food in locked-up warehouses elsewhere in the country. Food that was supposed to be given to the public but ultimately wasn't. Food that many families need right now to get through this global pandemic. Some of the food had even gone bad. You can imagine how angry people were. The police on Saturday was like, we will do our best to end this so-called protest. Most of you are just criminals hiding in plain sight. This very attitude is the problem, say two columnists writing for Pulse Nigeria, Steve Dede and Samson Toromade. Why should you care about Nigeria, you ask? Well, more than 205 million people live in Nigeria. Also, the country has a pretty big problem. It has way too many people. Almost 83 million people who live in extreme poverty, which means they make around $381 per year. That's more poor people than any other country in the world. Also, Nigeria is Africa's top oil exporter. So we're talking a lot of people and a lot of money. What's next from Nigeria? Well, that's for young people to decide. More than 60% in Nigeria are under the age of 24, and most of them do not have a formal job, and there are few opportunities to get a good education. Ali Yutanko from the BBC writes that young Nigerians for the very first time are finally feeling hopeful and feeling like they can change something about their future. Moving on to women's rights. We are making lives difficult for women in Poland and Peru. Let's start with what happened in Poland last week. There are new laws that basically made it illegal for women to have an abortion if the fetus is not in perfect health, if it is malformed. This made thousands of women very angry because 98% of all abortions took place because of that very reason. Now women say, well, we have up to 200,000 abortions every year and most of them we do either illegally or we go abroad for them. So now why are you making our lives even more difficult? Why you should care about this? Well, women's rights. While women can still have abortions in very few cases in the country, Poland is still one of the strictest European countries when it comes to giving women the right to rule over the body. Now over to Peru. A lot of women and young girls have been disappearing and beaten up during the pandemic. Just this year, between January and September, around 13,000 people went missing. 63% were women and more than half of them young girls. Another study found out around 11,000 women got beaten up between March and July this year. 30% of them were young girls. Women's organizations such as Missing Women Peru, they're now saying the government must do something very urgently. Missing women are not just numbers, they are human beings. And so are, of course, the missing men and young boys. 
and the statistic. Let's hope that the new national search system that was launched last week by President Martin Viscara will make this search easier, will find more people. Why women, however, disappear and get beaten up in the country, that's not up for debate right now, but should be. Moving on to Nagorno-Karabakh, to the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. We finally agreed to stop fighting for the third time now. Starting today at 8 a.m. local time, both parties have decided no more. At least thousand people, well, soldiers, and at least dozens of civilians have died so far. Human Rights Watch says, well, of course, civilians are going to die and they'll continue to die if Azerbaijan continues to use banned weapons, such as cluster weapons. Why you should care about this? Well, the last time these two fought, Armenia and Azerbaijan, at least 30,000 people died in the 1990s. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Let's get you up to speed. The fighting between these two countries began sometime in July this year, and then it became worse last month. But this is not a fight that just began in July. This is one of the world's oldest conflicts. You see, Nagorno-Karabakh is officially part of Azerbaijan. It's actually right in the middle of the country. But the people who live there, aka the ethnic Armenians, they say, this is actually Armenian land and we want to rule over ourselves. We do not trust the Azeri people to rule over us. And then there's also the fact that this region is also full of oil and gas, you know, think pipelines and a lot of money. If you were online this week, you might have come across a video, an article about a video. A video that made everyone look a little bit closer into what's happening in Nagorno-Karabakh. It showed two Armenian soldiers getting executed by Azeri soldiers. And people say, that's another proof of a war crime, if true. The other proof, of course, being that civilians have already died in this conflict. And many experts have been looking at the video that was posted on this messaging app last week. And they say, well, these two videos, I know there's a lot of disinformation going around about what's happening here. But these two videos, they look very, very real. Perhaps, and this is my personal hope, is that this video will change the way we talk about what's happening in Nagorno-Karabakh. Moving on to another piece of good news. We made democracy great again in Bolivia. There was a presidential election last week that meant a lot to so many people in Bolivia. And unlike the one in Belarus, this one has a happy ending. It's official. The country's new president is Luis Arte. Around 55% of the country voted for him. And his first day of the job will be sometime next month. And he's promised to be a good president for the other 45% too. Now why should you care about what's happening here? 
Well, this election is basically a love letter to democracy in Bolivia. And a big F you to whatever right-wing stuff Yanina Añez was trying to do in the time she took over the government after Evo Morales. That's uh, the guy who ruled over Bolivia the longest and is the country's first indigenous president. Now, if you have no idea who these people are, who Evo Morales is, and what's been going on in Bolivia politically, that's okay. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Let me get you up to speed very quickly. The last year or so in Bolivia has been pretty challenging. Why? Because the country's former president, Evo Morales, had to quit his job and move to Argentina. And then after that, a woman named Yanina Añez took over. And she quickly, very quickly became the villain of so many people. And was like, I'm going to postpone the elections. I'm going to stay president for a year. And then in 2020... We'll have the elections and then you can decide if you want me to stay in power or not. The results of the election now last week have ultimately fired Agnes for doing such a crappy job. And to everyone's surprise, the results were accepted by everyone. And that's huge, very huge. Meanwhile, on the South American continent, there have been protests in Colombia, the country that has now around 1 million coronavirus infections right now. Thousands of people last week, and even the indigenous people of the country, they have demanded that they still get paid during the pandemic, that they get more money for health and education, and that the government does much more to save women's lives. The country's president, Ivan Duque, is like, but hey guys, there's still a deadly virus out there, let's talk about this later. To which people say, nope, now is the time. Why you should pay attention? Well, close to 50 million people live in Colombia. That's why. Moving on to our last bit. We made the world a safer place. 50 countries have now said yes to an international treaty, aka effort, by the United Nations to ban nuclear weapons worldwide. The latest country to join this treaty was Honduras last week, This now means, starting January 22nd, next year, nuclear weapons have been banned by the United Nations. Why you should care about this? Well, there are more than 14,000 nuclear bombs in the world, thousands of which are ready to be launched any minute. And they are so, so dangerous. You probably... Don't remember what happened in Nagasaki and Hiroshima in Japan, but you've heard about it. Around 140,000 people died in those attacks in August. That was 75 years ago. And ever since, a lot of people and organizations like ICAN, they won the Nobel Peace Prize, by the way, all of them have been trying to stop that from ever happening again, to stop Nagasaki and Hiroshima from ever happening again. 
Of course, there are critics to this. They say the states that matter, such as United Kingdom, China, Russia, United States, or France, well, they haven't signed this effort. They are not fans of this treaty. They want to keep their weapons. So what good is this even? Well, countries who have signed the treaty now, these 50 countries, they have now committed to never ever produce, use, or stockpile nuclear weapons in their lives. And people are now hopeful that it might change the way countries who haven't signed up yet and companies who produce nuclear weapons to think differently about them and perhaps follow the lead in banning them altogether. But as always, I don't want to leave you without a funny note. So last week I found out that Apple's new iPhone 12 Pro it's so expensive in India that you can fly to the United Arab Emirates to buy it, come back, and you still save some money. It brings me back to 2013 in Australia, where it was cheaper to fly to the United States to buy the Adobe software than it was to buy it locally. So that's it from me. I'm Shem, your very own news curator, and talk to you next week. Bye.